0: Writers and book lovers, this is something you'll want to take note of. I am going to be co-teaching a movement retreat for writers called Pages and Poses at Omega Institute in Upstate New York this September. This is a Friday through Sunday retreat all about learning to care for your most important writing tool, your body. Especially those areas prone to injury in writers, hands, elbows, shoulders, and your spine, especially your neck and lower back. My co-teacher, award-winning author Sarah Selicke, will also have you using movement as a creativity booster so you can learn to deepen your craft while caring for your body with movement. Writing exercises meets physical exercises. It's going to be a transformative event. I hope you can make it. Find details at nutritiousmovement.com events. That's nutritiousmovement.com events. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy.
1: you're listening to katie says the podcast that helps you become aligned and well join us for conversations with katie bowman biomechanist creator and director of the restorative exercise institute author teacher blogger mother and total body nerd understand the mechanical causes of modern ailments learn how to fix them and restore yourself to a more functional state of natural human movement we hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful. But it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. And now, your host, Danny Hemmett.
2: Hi, welcome to Katie Says. I'm Danny Hemmett, and Katie and I are going to talk about core stuff today. the core Core, with a capital T a capital
0: C what's going on how are you today oh I'm tired but I'm also energized at the same time
2: how about you I am tired and not energized so (laughs) what's up with that that's what I get I had to go to first aid class last night and I was tired so I drank coffee at eight o'clock and I'm just too old to do that anymore
0: I did see, though, that you sat on the floor. I saw you posted a picture of, like, I'm the only one in the room sitting on the floor did, for three and, hours. I did, and I
2: told my husband, he said, oh, man, I can't believe you sat on the floor. I was like, I felt better when I walked out of that classroom than all those people that were sitting in chairs for three hours. Trust me. I maybe don't. that's
0: why you're tired, because you you basically exercise for yeah, three hours. And yeah, And you just sat
2: there. <laughs> Got some hip stretches in, though. That feels pretty good. Okay, core is always a question that comes up in any any wellness or fitness paradigm, it just comes up all the time. And there's a section in your latest book, Move Your DNA, which is a great title. It's called Core Activation, shmore Activation, and it's a little <laughs> <laughs> it's a little mind blowing. Not the title, but what you propose within, because it addresses the belief that probably like 99.4 of us have that that core exercises are essential for the optimal function of the core. And maybe that's not how it works, but we need to know what does work. Why? Yeah, we need to rethink it. And and what, if anything, is missing from how we're using our bodies. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the idea that the way we think we're strengthening our core and protecting our spine may be the actual habits that are disabling their function. So what I need from you, since you're so awesome with words and semantics, is what your working definition of the core is.
0: Yeah, I guess we should all get on the same page with uh, basic terms. So when I use the term core, I mean everything <clears throat> that runs between the rib cage and the pelvis, right? That whole your center. Core means is the center of the thing. It's your body. <clears throat> okay. So it's 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 what runs between those two parts. The spine. The spine is pretty flimsy. It's like the flimsiest part of your skeleton. You're, you're much more robust with the rib cage. It's kind of like this three dimensional cage and your pelvis is also this three-dimensional cage and so you've got all this structure but in your core between those two parts you don't have very much bone which is good because it allows for lots of movement if if you had the same bony integrity going up through your trunk you wouldn't be able to move but you would also be you wouldn't be able to move as much and you'd also be very heavy so you've got this kind of trade-off where you lose some of your skeletal stability in your trunk, but you're also jam-packed with muscle through that area. So the 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 way that the forces can potentially play out in your trunk is that they end up providing a skeleton-like structure. However, because you have different motor programs, the way that the muscles can all work together depending on what sort of movement you're doing, that skeleton, that quote, skeleton-like action is very dynamic, meaning that you could have all sorts of bony shapes to your trunk. I'm doing lots of parentheses in the air. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, do you know and I'm I'm,
2: I'm just kind of thinking that's, that's a really big thought to think about, you know, having a, a dynamic skeletal function like that, but, you know, not of bone. I mean, that's a cool way to think of it.
0: Yeah, it's like if I... If, if you would draw a free body diagram for every different type of movement, type of movement, I'm getting all excited now, I'm spinning in the microphone <laughs> because, because of how strong my core is pushing out the breath, which is then pushing out the saliva onto the microphone. Uh, every time you change a position, the, um, oh, the what, what I want to say? The net strength creates a resistance to movement in a particular plane. And so in that way, you can be strong to resist lots of different types of motion and so in in that way you have a really beautiful structure because you get the best of both worlds you get the ability to change your position imagine like if you had it imagine if your rib cage went all the way down to your pelvis right well where you'd be like one of those
2: lego minifigures you wouldn't be able to
0: oh perfect perfect. You would just be hinging at the hips and Mm -hmm. you would have a weird hat and no face. Although maybe they have faces now. (laughs) You you would have, yes, you would hinge only at the hips, which on one hand would be, well, look how much more supported or protected your organs are. But it would also mean that you couldn't twist. Meaning every time you wanted to turn around or get something, you'd actually have to walk in a circle. And so you're full of all these trade-offs where you're structure kind of represents um, a negotiation between energy costs and um, mobility, which was required to get that energy. So that's that's how I think of the core. And so when I talk about the core, that's the system that I'm talking about optimizing is that you have as many different um, that you can that you can create strengths in many different planes and that your skeleton like action of your trunk the ability to stabilize the spine and the organs within and support the functions within the trunk are fluid and dynamic and functioning meaning that they're strong
2: right okay we're all on the same page with that and that was a very excellent description thank you so in the book what do you exactly what do you mean by your it's kind of a bold and saucy statement of Core that doesn't act- sound
0: like me. That doesn't sound <laughs> core like core activation,
2: schmore activation.
0: Well, so I have just explained this idea that if you could if you could draw the net skeleton that it would be constantly changing through your trunk, that the bones would be in different places based on how you were moving. But with core activation. What we've focused on in our non-moving culture is creating one way of, quote, stabilizing the spine. We are trying to create a set of forces that get the same stabilizing effect that I'm talking about, but only in one limited plane. We've, we've, we've found this kind of one muscular contraction joint configuration that we want to brace against. Um, mostly because we don't move and in I just, very many moments. I ahead. have to
2: interrupt you real quick. So when you, and I just want to make sure I understand this, when you, when we're talking core activation, you're talking about that conscious bracing or activated like the, that, that, thought of pulling your belly button to your spine is that what you're talking about
0: well it could be that from for many people it is but for a, lo- a lot of people do th- a lot of people do things in their trunk whether they're sucking their stomach in or whether they're fight you know quote again my big finger is doing the parentheses firing their tva or their tra the transverse abdominals as we talk about in the book bra- bracing the spine trying to um whatever it is what whatever someone does regularly with their trunk um which is another word for the the torso whatever they're doing consciously to create stability within that area is—it's very narrow. It's one particular load over and over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again, which, as we've talked about before, really isn't the best thing for the body. That when you do things in one way over and over and over again, all the other ways get weak. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to forces, you can kind of bend the body towards that one particular force. While that firing your transverse abdominis, why? While your transverse is firing in reaction to a movement that you're doing is totally not natural to continuously engage your trunk for you to do it with your mind. It should be happening based on on the load that is placed upon the muscle.
2: Okay, and you cut out for just a second there. You just said it was not natural or normal for you to to do it with your mind, right? Correct. Is that what I got? Okay. Why don't I need to activate my car? Why don't I need to think about you know what's missing when I do that, if anything, from the the whole or natural movement?
0: Everything else.
2: Everything else.
0: I mean, this is good. I think that you and I having this conversation is good because I can hear when you read it. It's like you're you're getting what I say. Yeah, kind of. Oh yeah. But at the same time, what is it? What does it all mean? Like, I I think that it's kind of like um. The cardiovascular conversations that we've had or that I talk about in the book, it's like, what is the cardiovascular system supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to have a, st- a strong heart and and that heart is supposed to keep beating when, in fact, that's not really what the cardiovascular system is supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be distributing oxygen all the way to the cellular level, which involves many more structures beyond the heart and the arteries. It's the same thing with the trunk. What is the trunk supposed to be able to do? That would be my question. That's my first question. I always – I'm such a Socratic teacher, and I know it irritates a lot of people. Does it irritate
2: you? Uh, mildly, but I still love okay. you for it. <laughs> you make
0: you make me think, and that
2: matters yeah. a lot. So yeah. I pay attention.
0: Well, and I think that when we talk about semantics and, I, and ideas like this, like – Core activations, shmore activation, is an inflammatory way, in two words, of saying you don't need to activate your core. And on one hand, you need core activation. Your core needs to be able to respond to the loads that are placed upon it. What's happening is no loads are placed upon it with regularity. Or sometimes there are loads placed upon it with regularity that are not in response to movement, like pregnancy, being pregnant would be a load placed on the structure of your of your core muscles. However, we are so busy not moving. We spend most of our time not moving. So, therefore, our muscles and their, I want to say their flaccidity. I don't think that's the right word. Yeah, but it
2: can is a gross word, too. It's, it is. uh
0: Flaccidity. <laughs> oh no. I know. Flaccid fin syndrome. Like mm. flaccid is just I don't know what it is, all the C's, it's all the consonants, hard consonants. That your the state of your trunk, the state of your core musculature, the state of your strength within your core is not it is the result of how you have moved, which is not at all. And that the core activation that we do, the stomach exercises that we do are very similar to an orthotic it's a it's an artificial means of getting a support it's not reflex driven it's not coming in response to anything your stomach muscles didn't fire because you did anything that required them to move which is why they just sit there doing nothing so therefore you have to create something that they can brace against so you do something that turns them on it it creates some force and some pressure to stabilize but while it has a short-term benefit all all orthotics have a short-term benefit. It also has a longer-term detriment in that the adaptations to the orthotic move that muscle system away from being able to respond to movement when you do decide to move.
2: Do you think that, that casting or that use of orthotics of just say I go to the gym and I do 100 crunches a day and that's the length that my muscles are, are used to working at, Is a habitual exercise like that the same sort of casting as if I'm just a person who always sucks my stomach in without even really thinking about it? Like it's just in that habit. Is that still placing that same cast on those muscles so that they're unable to to work properly?
0: Well, a cast, you are casted by what you do the most. So you'll, you adapt to 100% of what you do. So your particular cast, Danny, would be set by whatever it is that you do. If you suck your stomach in all day, you're casted to that. If you suck your stomach in all day and do 100 sit-ups, then you're casted to that. If you suck your stomach in all day and keep your transverse abdominis engaged all day and do sit-ups and planks, then you'll adapt to that. You're adapting to to all of it. And each one of those things that I listed that you do change the impact of everything else. Because when you start putting forces on top of each other, then you get a new net force. So you're adapting to that net set of whatever it is that you do. No, you're not adapting to any one thing more than anything else. You're adapting to what you do 100% of the time.
2: Okay. What you do the most of the time. Okay.
0: What you do all of the time? All of the time. Okay. Well, I'm gonna leave that. Qu- I'm gonna move that
2: question because that made me start thinking about a different thing. Um,
0: <laughs> what did it make you start thinking about?
2: Now, I. So first of all, I want to ask real quick. Do you have a stretch for us today? And if you don't, that's okay. We can move on. But I know people love them quick stretches.
0: Well, how about? Um Something that uses the trunk, which is if you're sitting or standing, keep your pelvis in place. Like don't let your pelvis move. And imagine this is going to sound weird. Imagine, imagine that you have a rod going all the way up through your tailbone out the top of your head. So you want to be like a pig on a spit, if that makes sense. And you're going to turn your rib cage. You're going to twist essentially your rib cage relative to your torso without letting your rib cage move off of the spit. So a lot of times when people twist, they'll end up lifting their chest or moving their whole body forward relative to the pelvis. So it's just like a little twist to one side. Can you do that? Yeah. And then maybe the other side. And you're being mindful that not only is the front of your body moving, let's say, for example, I'm moving to the right, that the back of my body is moving to the left. You want to think about turning both hands on the wheel there that that motion coming from your waist is not only being turned from the right side you're also being turned from the left side that's pretty nice especially if we're just sitting here in place talking in the microphone a twist is twist is one of those motions I haven't figured out how to get into a podcast I can sit on the floor I can stand I can sit cross-legged and stretch but the twist thing my trunk is pretty inactive during Mm -hmm. a podcasting except for talking well, wow. thanks for bringing us into the realm of understanding. That's good. I'm Add that into my my office
2: stretches. Okay, I'm going to tell you what what that thread brought up then. Want to go okay. there?
0: Let's go there.
2: Okay. Uh, in the book I loved that you talked about releasing the abdomen because it's it's an intense exercise, I guess, if that's what you'd call it. Kind of both very fit it's physically intense and emotionally intense and you know I can do bicep curls and that doesn't mean anything emotionally to me but letting my belly go that's huge that's like tied into all sorts of stuff and when you suck your belly in and we just kind of do this I think in our culture you know somebody walks by you suck your belly in a picture or even you just you're constantly sucking it in and it's letting it go that's so not a part of our it's definitely not a national pastime like I'll say, is just letting, <laughs> letting our it all bellies, letting it all hang out. That's just not something that we do or even really talk about. I guess I want to talk about that. I want to talk about like how, how you figured that out. Were you ever, because I know, you know, for a long time you were really, well, you're a very athletic person and you were into fitness and stuff like that. Were you a sucker in her, sucker upper, whatever you want to call it?
0: Not really. I've never been a sucker upper Um, besides, you know, the photo, the the bikini photo. I I, I know I I can like if, if you take a picture of me like if I you know walking around in my bathing suit, I'm sure I'll do some sort of reflexive like photo, you know. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> but um, in general, no, and it probably has to do with the fact that I I don't have a lot of abdominal fat. Abdominal fat is not where I carry any extra weight. So I think that for a lot of people, in my generation. Um, which is you know, 30s. I was going to say late 30s, but I went to 30s. That what was that about? So <laughs> yes. you, in my later 30s. I guess
2: you can call yourself whatever you want.
0: Yes, that's yes, right. That that um, that it's just that sucking in, if you have a lot of uh, abdominal fat, might might be the more norm as opposed to the reason I put the differentiation between generations. I would say that older generations that I've worked with, people in their 50s and 60s and 70s, keeping your stomach in was part of the manners it seems to be really tied up to manners, like a lady, a lady, meaning that you are not a lady unless you... Oh, I am so not a lady, but... Yeah, well, but you know, like I think of like a narrow, like so much of this construct we talk about is cultural, right? So what's with the small waists and the corsets? And so I think that sucking it in probably once corsets were moved out of the culture, the, the next step of stuff to move out would have been the manual way of of getting this corset like shape which is then if there's nothing outside to push it in then you're going to have to pull it in from the inside which is what sucking it in is, is is creating this vacuum in which you are making the mass that's on front of you go away a little bit so i i think that um, that there's definitely generations that tend to do it more and there are people who have had it drilled into them more that it's part of good posture, right? Keep your Well, stomach- I, I
2: think many of us, and I'll I'll call my generation forty, um, <laughs> was we were told by our parents, you know, pull your stomach yeah. in um, when we were when we were little. So.
0: And it also is not just generational; it just might be that what was a priority. I'm trying to think of like the nicest way to say this: like, what was the priority of the family? I've worked with thousands of people over. Over a decade and a half, and one thing that I've found is there are more people not, that not everyone has been conditioned to how they appear to others in the same way. That there are definitely families mm. in which your appearance within the family and to out, those outside of the family it is something that's drilled in much more. I was fortunate where I didn't I didn't really have that. I didn't I didn't have that. Mm, I, it, it. That I mean, I, not to say that I don't have a billion other issues. It's just that that, that one wasn't it. It's not tied up with my uh, femininity, with my with my worth. It's not tied up with my being desirable or being a woman. Like keeping my stomach in is not at the at the at the core of my core <laughs> issues. But I know that it is. The only reason <clears throat> I'm bringing it up is you're talking about the emotions that release. Really well, soon- yeah,
2: because you're lucky, but a lot of of yes. both men and women. Yeah. We're really, gosh, you, you suck it in. And once you've heard that for so many years or you get into that cycle of that cultural okay. expectation, you don't even think about it. It's not
0: even conscious. So to right. consciously let go, that's a trip. Yeah. And then, you know, I, having people, gosh, this is like, it's really hard for me to talk about because I know it's such a, a hot button issue. You know, when people are intimate and naked, that even when you're in this naked and intimate situation, you know what the situation is I'm talking about, I'm trying to keep it family friendly. Uh, I I think I'm with you. Yes. Yes. That even then you're sucking it in. Even, even then the mechanics of what you're doing to your trunk and your abdomen and therefore pulling on in your pelvis and whatnot are all affecting the act that you may or may not be doing (laughs) while you are naked and intimate. And, and, and it's that kind of stuff. You know, I get a lot of questions about S E X. And the only reason I'm spelling it out is just in case you are listening with your children and don't want them to, oh my gosh, I'm just rambling now. I'm just, as a parent, I become hyper aware of, of this kind of stuff, but it's all tied up. Pelvic floor issues and pelvic pain and self-worth. And holding your stomach in or your gut. And sometimes it's not self-worth. Sometimes it's just, I was told that that's good posture and I did that. So it's not just self-worth, but when you've worked with... Or
2: structural safety even. I mean, some people think they have to have it pulled in to protect their back. Yeah. And actually a lot of older people that I work with, that's their belief is that that's... It's th- a structural necessity.
0: Yes, I thought you were talking about during the intimate act itself. I was like, "Wow, that's a- yeah. you're like you have to keep yourself safe, people. Keep yeah. your transversus <laughs> on to stabilize your. You'd spot. be
2: surprised how wild those seniors I, I, can get, man. <laughs> I know, I
0: know. So, uh, so yeah, it's a it's a huge. We could do a lot of. You made do- me blush. Did
2: I? Uh, yeah, I'm alone in my office with headphones on. <laughs> It's
0: it's, it is this is a big issue, it is a huge issue, yeah. Well, and also, like, I'm you know, so I wrote Move Your DNA, and I move your DNA is like it's like um the primer, it really is the primer, and it's huge, it's like this huge overview. But now, what I'm going through and doing is writing these smaller, you know, 20,000 word books on all of these other little like parsed out stuff because I said, as I said in the book, each each little paragraph in that book, each subheading could be its own book. And so even though core got, you know, a a pretty hefty, the core and the pelvis got a hefty, it got its own chapter. Yeah, pelvis got its own chapter. Um, It really could be its own book. And so could the core. And so I'm I'm doing um, a diastasis recti book specifically because there's so much to these issues, but they're really all interconnected. And so if you want to understand what your core is doing, and then what I'm really saying about whole body movement, you're going to have to think outside the core. You're going to have to go, well, my legs attach to my pelvis, which in turn attaches to the core. My latissimus dorsi, which is like your, a big, large wing, like your bat wing muscle that attaches to your arm, also attaches to your pelvis. And that you can't talk about the core and the pelvis without realizing that every step you take with your feet and every move that you make with your arm is translating into loads that your trunk is adapting to.
2: Which is the first step for understanding how it works. Yeah, It's kind of
0: cool. I'm just picturing,
2: like, the Chronicles of Narnia on my bookshelf with the seven books. (laughs) But it's going to be like the Chronicles of Katie. And, you know, okay, now we're on to the pelvis.
0: (laughs) Yes, and I'm going to put lions in it and some wardrobes and I'll be the witch. Excellent. Excellent. the little guys with hooves,
2: what are they called? Uh, Centaur. Centaur. I don't know. Yeah. Centaur's a horse guy. And then there's, like, a goat guy. So, you know. Oh, my gosh. Are more nice- stuff for you to write about. So, because you weren't a sucker in her, but I guess was it just you you knew the importance of having
0: that released? No, what I know is the I biomechanics. Mean, what I know is I know what I know is the biomechanics. What I know is you are a pressure system. You are a contained pressure system. So so like the thing with biomechanics, it's kind of hard. It's like so so How do you, you know, people will say, how did you figure all this out? It's like, that's a nice thing. That's the beauty of biomechanics is you're not, you're not necessarily figuring things out. I mean, pressure works the same, I mean, pressure works the way that it works. So you are a contained system and you've got three pressure bags. You're a pressure bag starting with your thoracic cavity. Your diaphragm is, is the bottom of the thoracic cavity pressure bag, but it's the roof of your abdominal pressure bag. And then the bottom of that abdominal pressure bag sits right on top of the pelvic pressure bag, which is kind of like your your pelvic content. So you've got these, these chambers of pressure, but they're all connected. So you can't change the pressure in one without changing the pressure in the other. Or if the pressure is to stay the same you have to create some sort of geometrical or skeletal change you have to something has to change if you are messing around with your pressures and so when if someone is sucking their stomach in all of how how did you how did you come to to know this i guess the easiest way to explain it is i've taught a lot of people i've i've worked with a lot of people over many many years Breaking down, they'll come in and say, I'm doing all of my core exercises and look at my core, like look at my trunk, look at the way that it looks, look at the way that it functions. I've got these bulging discs in my back. I've got um, a diastasis recti. Check out my exercises. And I watch them doing their exercises. And okay, I know what you think you are doing, but let me show you something. Come on your hands and knees. I want you to fire your transverse abdominal muscles and they'll do what they think is firing their transverse abdominal muscles and they're doing a hybrid instead of sucking in their stomach and tucking their pelvis. So if you're only looking at the belly button, there's this net displacement upward. But that's not an indication of the transverse abdominus because I saw all these other things that would not be happening were that the case. And then you slowly start breaking down the motions. Like, okay, I want you to do that again, but I don't want your pelvis, I want to set your pelvis here in this position and do that again, but don't move the pelvis. And they realize that they can't. So everything that they were doing to strengthen their core or to fire a particular muscle was in fact not that because there's not a real robust understanding of how to evaluate motion. And so then I realized that, okay, I can, I can hear, I can hear by the way you're breathing during this exercise that, because I knew you took in oxygen when you did that. And because I saw this bone move that I know that something had to happen to the diaphragm during that time. And we also, just like we need the pelvis still, we also need the diaphragm still. And so that's why we do things like how you breathe during exercise to make sure that you're not getting what looks like the exercise done while you, in fact, just displace a part of you via something else. So that's how that all came about. So then I was okay. like, you know what, before before anyone does a core exercise let's see if you can do this this even more simple one which is relax the abdomen and so it's kind of just more like a primer before you do anything else you need to check yourself that you are not holding your gut in which would mean when you do fire what else whatever else you're trying to fire that you end up pushing things up into your thoracic cavity so it's it's complex it's complex to explain in in the on a radio show like this and it's probably why we'll need to do a few of these but it also I think the book helps if you have some sort of reference it it does it. it does
2: I especially liked how you explain you know the muscles being at the ready like a tennis player mm-hmm. how that how a tennis player always goes back to its it's his ready position so that he can you know execute any what hit swing what do you call it I don't know I don't play tennis
0: moves I don't moves, know I look yeah, all shot shot Firing your transverse abdominals all the time would be the equivalent of being a tennis player and walking onto the court with your hands and your racket arranged in a backstroke and trying to play the entire game from that position. Do you know how many shots you'd miss? Because you've primed your body for a shot that may or may not be coming. So if you get that particular shot, you'll hit it. But in a game of tennis, as we've established that neither you or I actually know anything about, (laughs) the likelihood that you're going to get a backhand or be able to get your body to a place where you can use the backhand is very, very low, relatively speaking, over the course of the entire game. or speaking in terms of percentages. So so don't prearrange yourself. For one particular body shot when you are going to be moving in many, many different ways that it limits the performance of the game. But it also, if you were a tennis player and only hit the ball in one way, you'd get some injuries because you would be training all of your parts to be strong in this one really narrow way and everything else would get weaker. And that's essentially what's happened with the core.
2: Yeah. The core. That's that's a great visual and the visual of having that tennis player be at the ready To handle any sort of shot that comes their way is an excellent visual. So the the book is so helpful for this understanding. I, I thought I knew stuff, but I know a lot more stuff after reading through the book a couple times. It's good. And I just want to say, I have all these little things highlighted that really you could be your own quote machine. Um, (laughs) We could make like a quote of the day desktop calendar someday for you that you could rip off one. And oh, today she says, but one of my favorite ones that I have highlighted in the book is that you say a continuously flat stomach, while perhaps valuable for cultural purposes, is not necessary for physiological ones. I think a lot of people need to hear that.
0: Like look at your kids, right? Do your kids walk around with flat stomachs all the time? Nope. Do babies walk around with flat stomachs all the time? No. But when you see kids change their position, because they're not usually um, encumbered yet with the cultural message that they've got these kind of lower bellies that poke out, as it should, because you've got heavy organs. Yeah, there's some big
2: old organs down in
0: there when uh, they're kids are always trying to to go down and out the front right that's that's where your stomach will naturally be pooching that's that's where the organs are and there should be a tone though in response to that but that tone should be challenged through you moving all of the time. And when you do, when when kids, little kids do things like change their position or talk or yell, you will see their stomach go from this adorable <laughs> pooch to flat, you know, it flattens as necessary. It flattens yeah. when you need to generate the force. They don't keep it flat all of the time and look at that kid and go like, what is in my mind right now that makes me feel like that my self-worth is really tied up with not looking like, like this, mm-hmm. who is, some you know, which is totally natural way to look. Which yeah. is a whole different show. It's a whole different show. But it was, it yes. was good
2: to read. And I'm glad you put that in there. I think that was a nice gift for everybody. Just that, to think about it that way.
0: Well, if the whole biomechanist thing doesn't work out, I will be a, um, a quote machine. And also maybe a, a random number generator. Quick. That's, 47. Ooh,
2: 47. That's good. 103. Give me six more. I'll go play the lotto. Okay, I figure my odds will increase if I actually buy a ticket. So
0: that's what they say, but yeah. I, have, I want to see proof. I want to see the oh, research statistics.
2: On that. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs them?
0: Well, how are you going to go out and move your DNA today? I already did. I mean, I'm not done moving throughout the day, but it's been a long morning, lots of interviews, and then I I took a walk to the post office to pick up all of the things in my PO box, which were amazing, and then carried them back. I was I was actually expecting you know mail, and I ended up getting. Four packages, four big ones, and I had walked and I had walked, giving myself 45 minutes to get there and back in time to meet with you. So I ended up carrying some on my head and one in my arm, and then I had to keep switching the arm that was holding the one down and then the arm that was holding the rest of them on my head. So I have move my DNA in really a way that I've never moved it before, so that's what happened to I me today. That was
2: good. So I've been carrying stuff on my head too. Yeah, it's fun. It huh? is fun. It's you, fun. You
0: bring your A game, man.
2: Yeah. You you just you bring your A game when you're carrying something on your head. So it's it's like weird, huge fun. Love it. Okay, cool. I think this could be a million shows, but our time is
0: up. All right. Well, I only have one more thing to say. Say it.
2: Four hundred and eighty-two. Awesome. Way All right, to go. That's it. You're the good. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit Katie Bowman's edutaining blog, katiesays.com. For books, online classes, downloads, and continuing educational courses with Katie, visit the Restorative Exercise Institute at restorativeexercise.com. Her most anticipated book, Move Your DNA, will be available in September 2014. You can learn more about Danny Hemmett at moveyourbodybetter.com and dannyhemmett.com